Hi, I'm John, and this is the full story of There You Are, Jesus. Over the past 10 years now, since 2013, I have been compiling information and gaining information that actually dates back to 1969. And I really, now that I have the full picture and the two main uh, questions answered that have driven me since I saw the visual miracle in 2013. I want to put everything onto audio so that people have access to it without having to read. And with this in mind, let's begin our first podcast. Let's do it. And this one is called The Full Story of, uh, <laughs> of Some crazy crazy things that are very unusual for life like uh well let, don't 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 spoil it but okay take me through it. what happened to take me to the start of it to where you're like okay i need to do something about this like what spawned this or what was that spark or what happened yeah well that started uh in 19 19- 69 when i was killed for being <laughs> am i jumping ahead now okay <laughs> uh when i was killed for telling my answering my teacher fourth grade teacher in 1969 honestly and completely what was wrong when she kept asking me questions about what was wrong i did not know that my dad would find out everything i told her i did not know that everything i told her was extreme child abuse and had to be reported to the police and i did not know that sometimes people don't obey the law and rather than reporting to the police reported directly to my dad who met me at home that day when i very day i told my teacher and uh threatened my life in ways that are really kind of uh extreme and he and also in doing so admitted it, that he had killed before he told me he's done it before and he'll do it again that if i ever talk about how he has abused me before, uh, uh, he will kill me. And uh, that was um, in 1969. I was born in 1959. And uh, first several years of life were great, and it was mainly because of my mom. But my dad did not bother me my first several years. Uh, 1964-ish, he began having me uh, massage his feet and rub lotion into his feet and uh, which absolutely repulsed me and he also had me do it to my mom who was uh, defiant and disgusted with him but he she just could not control him and so I gave both my parents massage rubs well that uh, and she didn't like it at all and she but my dad I had to sit there and do that 
um, that turned into sexual abuse. Um, and uh, without going into details there, that uh, led to me drawing a stick figure of a person with a large erection and showed my mom who flipped out, flipped out, and I was in trouble. I was in so much trouble with my mom that my dad didn't even say anything to me about it. That was the first time I had ever given any inkling about the sexual abuse. <clears throat> 19, uh, and throughout the years, that was around 1964, 65. I began first grade in 66. In fourth grade, 1969-ish, I had been through, my dad was a, a narcissist, a psychopath, meaning that he had no problem premeditating murder. Um, and uh, he was very abusive. But he wasn't abusive because he was mad at me. He was just very abusive. And it later turns out that, lo and behold, he has an autism called Fragile X, which may have had something to do with uh, his abusiveness. Um, he gave Fragile X to my sister. This gets off the point, but we didn't know about the autism until my sister's children were born and they were fully manifested. So anyway, um, so, 19, so the first time I let out an inkling of the sexual abuse was in that stick figure drawing for my mom. Then in fourth grade, uh, I, I let out all the abuse that was going on, which was horrible. I mean, I'll just leave it at that for the sake of time. And it included, uh, emotional, verbal, physical, and, uh, pretty much that was, that was the majority of it. <clears throat> so I told my teacher, and that was the second time I let out an inkling of the sexual abuse. And boy, did my dad have something to say after that. And I was, became a problem, not just, uh, his normal abusive behavior. I became someone who had to be killed. And he assured me he would kill me. In the process, I don't know whether he admitted himself being a serial killer or if he was referring to war. Uh, he was in World War II. He was on the USS Maryland. Uh, he was uh, involved right after Pearl Harbor, and he was there for over three years. So I don't know if he was talking about when he said, I've killed before and I will do it again. I don't know if he was referring to war or a problem incident like I became. But uh, the man meant what he said. The very first, after 1969 in fourth grade, when I told my teacher and my school called my dad, who was also a principal at a different school in the same county school system, which is why probably they had allegiance to him rather than to me going directly to the police and protecting me. They went directly to my dad who went directly to me and uh the school left me there uh uh a, in in his custody and it went from abusive to unbearable um and he boy he threatened me he would run he was like he was running for a politician running for office when we had guests over and we always had guests over but when there was nobody else there, it was clear that uh, he wanted me gone.
just gone. And here there was no empathy. You may have heard the song by Sly and the Family Stone, uh, Family Affair, which is not about my life, but the part about one child loves to learn and the other child you just love to burn. Well, I was that child. He just loved to burn. And I mean examples that lasted throughout my childhood. So I'm going to pause the answer to your question there. Yeah. So I guess that's when it started. What made you, because this was all like repressed, right? Like what, what made you yeah. remember that? Like how did that occur? Like what was. Yeah. Great question. Uh, the reason it was, let me start with the reason it was repressed. 1969. Uh, I, I found out I couldn't tell my teacher in confidence. Um, I didn't even tell my best friend that he had killed me because he would, I knew he would just go to his parents who would go to my parents. What's wrong with John talking about this crazy stuff? You killed him. And then my dad would come to me and I didn't want to find out what was next. So I couldn't tell anybody couldn't tell my sister anybody so those memories just disappeared it's it's part of the human body's survival called autonomous nervous system survival kind of like uh it regulates your heart pressure your heartbeat things that you can't really regulate well it can also repress your memories and that my, those memories of that death were which I haven't elaborated on yet as to the actual death, but those memories, those traumatic part of the memories were repressed for 50 years from 1969 within several weeks, maybe no more than a month after, after that event to 2019, 50 years. And here's to answer your question. Here's what brought them back. And they do not come back unless there is a trigger. Well, this was 2019. In 2013, I was saying a prayer about my the same person who had killed me in 1969. I had a new problem with my dad in 2013. It was a big problem. And I was pleading the situation to Jesus Christ in church, and I was asking him if I can work for him. Can you come in and take over my life? Because I just can't handle this. I you know, I'm, Where was the church? Uh, St. Mary's City, Trinity yeah. Episcopal Church. Isn't it the same one that your family goes to or went it's to? The same one my f uh, family went to, uh, who are now in the same one where my parents are buried at. It was um, that church that I was saying a prayer right after Holy Communion, and I was giving my life to God in a pleading and I mean, I was repeating, I was pleading, I was begging, Jesus, let me work for you. Tell me what you want me to do. And it was like Jesus got tired of hearing my repetition and just entered my prayer, entered the darkness of closed eyes we all have when we're saying a prayer. And the way he entered it was with color and light. And it was all, it was like watching, it was at about the tempo of when you watch a um, a monitor, a computer monitor with a screensaver, kind of com computer-wise moving. 
it was about that same speed and it just unfolded into this unbelievably gorgeous colors and light in high definition with my eyes closed. It had literally stopped the words of my prayer and I watched this miracle happen. <clears throat> so I drew the, I, I created animation of this miracle and I was now driven with what did I see? This was 2013 and I'm getting to 2019. What did I see and why did I see it? Because keep in mind, I was still did not remember my death. That was repressed. Well, I went for six years collecting coincidences. I mean, I, what I, I didn't intend to collect coincidences. I intended to collect every single thing that was odd. And what became odd was prayers and combination with coincidences. Wow, that's what I just prayed about. And so... I collected them. I wrote them down. I analyzed them. I published them. They grew into categories of coincidences, which I call coincidental communication, the language between heaven and earth. And the categories are nature, numbers, everyday things, and eyewitness afterlife. The first three are coincidences. Eyewitness afterlife is the repressed traumatic memory, my experiences in death. So in 2013, I said this prayer, and in tooth, what what brought these repressed memories back from 1969 was my continued search. It was 2019. I was watching an interview with somebody who had died named Colton Burpo of the movie Heaven is for Real. And he, not the actor, but the actual person portrayed in the movie, and he was talking, he mentioned two words that are exactly two words that I had tried telling my mom after my death, before my repressed memories uh, kicked in, while I still had the memories fresh, which were markers and throne. This is what Colton was saying that he saw as part of what was became a movie, Heaven is for Real. Well, I said the same thing to my mom. I, I said, um, Jesus has markers. And she's like, what? And Jesus has markers. Markers? Where? And I showed him hands and showed her hands and feet. And she said, no, those aren't markers. Jesus was crucified. Well, those markers marked his crucifixion where the nails went into his body. And he showed them to me when I was in heaven. So to answer your question, the, the reason those memories came back was because of Colton Burpo and somebody using the exact same words that I had used 50 years earlier trying to tell my mom. Okay, so the, the memories don't just automatically bloop and they're all there. It, it trickles. And it took, I would say most of them came back within about two to three months, including while I'm driving, causing me to run off the road. I mean, you, you know, intentionally pull off the road just to because I felt like I was drowning in these memories that just like, holy cow. Um, and then a few more odds and ends continued to come in over time. <clears throat> so I guess what I haven't told you yet is, 
the death experience and the fact that the first time I saw, first time I was shown the seven Holy Spirits of God was in my death by my grandfather, George. And he said, when I'm, and we can go back, but let me just get this out so so you can be aware of it. In my death, my dad suffocated me. I died. I regained consciousness as soon as my body was officially dead. My grandfather met me, greeted me, was sorry my dad had just killed me, and said, I'm taking you to see God. And he took me to see God. And there was a, there's a lot to that, but so that I don't get distracted by other points, we can come back to that. But one of the things he did was took me to, to heaven's entrance. And there was a guy standing at heaven's entrance. And I asked, is that Jesus? And he said, no. Uh, and he asked me, would you like to see Jesus? I said, yes. And there began a pause. The guy we were looking at, one guy in front of the entrance to heaven, walked away and made room. And then we paused. It, it, was, like, it was like Jesus didn't plan on being there. But he showed up, and he, when he showed up, he was right where the guy was standing. He did not walk onto the in front of the door the way the guy walked away. He materialized. I could see him from not being there to being there in the process of, I'll, in terms of Earth, I'll say a couple seconds, and he, he materialized, and he was looking down. As soon as he was done materializing, he looked up, and uh, we met eyes. And no words spoken. Uh, I could see, oh, he had, uh, I could see him from head to toe. He had um, four red marks on his hands and feet. And I believe the reason he appeared with red marks is to distinguish himself from the first person who I thought was Jesus, who, who ended up walking away. And when Jesus appeared, he appeared with crucifixion markers, bold red on his hands and feet. It's like, okay, got it. And we said nothing. We just looked at each other. And all of a sudden, everything disappeared. And I was immediately back in my body where my dad had just murdered me on a temporary mattress. And he was now giving art of, what is it, cardiopulmonary resuscitation. And he brought me back to life. Um, I want to make a point also, and, and there's obviously more after he brought me back to life. That's a whole nother. Uh, we, can, we can follow up on that section too. But before we, back to the tour of heaven, Jesus said, I'm taking you to see, uh, rather not Jesus, my grandfather George said, I'm taking you to see God. This this connects with 2013, the visual miracle. 1969, <clears throat> my grandfather takes me to, to see God. The first place we go is God's throne. This is before we went to heaven's entrance. We went to God's throne. And he showed me the outside of God's throne, which is like a uh, which is like a glass floor that goes to a glass wall and it, and it just goes it's clear for as far as you can see on the left on the left side of the glass wall is um inside of the throne and this is where 
the seven Holy Spirits of God are. The seven Holy Spirits aren't colors. The seven Holy Spirits are actual flames, fire. And I mean, when I say fire, I mean the size of stars. There's a whole different perspective. When when you lose your human body, you're no longer re, uh, confined to the size of your human body. Your consciousness is part of the afterlife, part of uh, heaven, uh, part of space, uh, the planets and everything, stars. And so George, my grandfather, showed me the seven Holy Spirits, and which were, it's as if, to give you an idea, if you take a a NASA rocket and with it with its propulsion to get it into orbit and you turn that rocket upside down so the propulsion is going up that's the general shape of each of the seven spirits like a propulsion however at the very top which is where George had us when he was showing me the seven spirits at the very top they don't the fire doesn't dissipate like it does with uh, with a, a rocket thrust. Rather, the fire, the flames came together with the organization of feathers on a bird. Like the, the way feathers lay together, that's how the top of the seven Holy Spirits look. Even though they're fire, they're, they're thrusting flames, but they come together neatly at the top. There's seven of them, knowledge, understanding, wisdom, Jesus Christ, counsel, might, and fear. And every one of them was explained to me in detail by George. I had not seen George at all. I only heard him, and he was right at my right ear, not my left ear. He was at my right ear the whole time from when he greeted me right after I regained consciousness after death. Um until this point, and he remained at the right ear afterwards when we went to entrance to heaven, but at this point, after explaining to me the seven Holy Spirits of God, George walked in front of my vision. He, he was smiling. He looked good. He was, con he was comfortable. It was almost like he was leaning, like on a fence or something, but I, I can't say I saw a fence, but he was just looked very comfortable. And he said, after he explained to me the seven spirits, he said, if you, if you go back to life, you should tell people about them because they are much more important to God here in heaven than they are to people on earth. And they need to know that. And he said, you would be like a messenger, quote unquote, you would be like a messenger. And so I, then, then, um, so I did come back to life, and now the seven Holy Spirits are my main purpose for the rest of my life. However, boy, there's so much. However, okay, take that 1969 scene, the actual fires. That was 1969. 2013, I'm sitting there desperately praying to God, to Jesus, can I work for you? What can I do for you? had forgotten all about what George told me, had forgotten all about the death, because it was repressed. And in the middle of this repetitive, intense, pleading prayer, Jesus enters in colors and high-definition light and colors, and it's in the shape of a candelabra, and with the highest point in the middle, seven, seven flame candelabra. 
and it, that's it, it wasn't a candelabra, but that's just the shape it was. Um, and so then I was left for the next six or seven years to try to find out what did I see and why did I see it. Then 2019, Colton Burpo, th uh, using the words that I used with my mom, uh, throne and markers, brought back all these memories of that death, which included George explaining to me the seven Holy Spirits, which now makes sense. It answered the question, what did I see and why did I see it? The reason I saw it is because Jesus was reminding me, the seven Holy Spirits, we want you to be a messenger of their importance. And it took seven years, 2013 to 2020, 2019 is when I regained the repressed traumatic memories, February of 2020, seven years after 2013, I find a picture of a candelabra that is of the exact same shape of the visual miracle from 2013. Interesting that that was seven years to find this, that it was the seven spirits of God. Also interesting is that February of 2020, is seven months before the seventh anniversary of that visual miracle, which was September 29th, uh, 2013. And 2020, February, is seven months before the seventh anniversary, September 29th, 2023. Uh, 2020. God, my, sorry. Yeah, no, seven, seven, seven. That's really interesting. Yeah. Uh, and that's one of my posts. Uh, Seven years, seven months, seven spirits, and the sign of God. But uh, seven is very important. It's mentioned in the in one of the books of the Bible, Revolution, Revelation, fifty-seven times. Now you know seven days, seven days of the week, uh, seven continents. It, it's seven is is a, an important number biblically. What was your mindset like between 2013 and when you realized, oh, this is what it is? Yeah. Uh, those 2013, well, that's when I, I was, it was euphoric, but you know, I kept, I was telling everybody and everybody was just kind of looking at me <laughs> like, okay. So, you know, it was another one of those, I can't tell anybody, but I'm going to tell people. And, um, so then I went on that search. What did I see and and why me? Uh, you just you just don't forget something like that. And so 2013 when I when I I mean 2019 when I regained those memories, okay, I started putting it together. 2020 in February of 2020 when I found where I heard about the candle uh, the seven spirits of God in Revelation looked them up the next day and turns out the seven spirits of God look like a candelabra, which is laid out exactly like the miracle vision I saw seven years ago. My God, this answers the question, what did I see? And so now I had, what did I see and why me? Because I had regained the repressed traumatic memories. And that was, that the feeling was like, accomplishing a major chapter of this work for God. And that that is the most successful, heartwarming feeling of accomplishment, finding out what did I see, why did I see it, and actually finding answers that were 
not of this world, and that I am a messenger because I have seen the actual seven spirits of God, and I have actually been to heaven. I've actually died and come back. Many people, oh, let me tell you about one other thing. Many people die, well, many people die, don't come back. Most people don't. It's uncommon to die and come back. It's, it is even more uncommon to die, have my grandfather meet me, be taken to see God, God's throne, seven holy spirits, some things in God's throne I haven't mentioned yet on this podcast, including the lamb with seven eyes and seven ears, oh, seven eyes and seven horns, which is what scared me when it trotted by to, to look at us and was the reason why George moved us on. Come on, let's go. We moved to the left and went and, and ended up at heaven's entrance. So there's a lot to say yet about heaven's about uh, God's throne. So after going th to heaven with my grandfather and going from God's throne to heaven's entrance and seeing Jesus, I mean, eye to eye, he, he actually appeared between the entrance and me. And I could see his whole body. I could see his eyes. I could see his hair, beard, everything, facial features. He looked like a human standing there, living color. He just didn't talk. But he showed me his, his red marks. So I saw him, and he was the last one I saw in heaven. He, his eyes were who I was looking at in heaven. And then I find Colton Burpo in 2019, whose two words help bring back my memories, my repressed traumatic memories. And I watch Heaven is for Real after Colton said the same words I told my mom. And at the end of the movie, unexpected to me, at the end of the movie is a painting of, of Jesus that is exactly who I saw, the last person I was looking at in heaven. And that's the one that Colton Burpo saw when he visited heaven uh, in his um, operation where he, he, he visited heaven. So when I saw that painting, I said, oh, my God, that is Jesus. And I looked into who painted it, who is this? Well, Akiana Krumerik painted this portrait of Jesus, and it's called Prince of Peace. She painted it, get this, as an eight-year-old girl whose parents, one was atheist, one was agnostic, had never gone to church, never read a Bible, did not talk about religion in the home, yet she kept having these visions repeatedly. And... Uh, dreams, and, and she became an artist so that she could show her mom and dad who she was seeing. Well, this picture is of this the very same Jesus Christ Colton Burpo saw, the very same Jesus Christ I saw, and in 20... So I wanted to meet this lady and find out how in the world did someone on earth paint who I saw in heaven to, to tell her how I know she's actually right, she's authentically correct with the true image of Jesus Christ, and to also see her the actual original painting while I was there. So in 2023, I went to Beloved Gallery in Marble Falls, Texas, and uh, 
and met met uh, Akiana by way of a public question and answer. And I spoke three times and we kind of connected and, uh, and they had me do afterwards, her video crew interviewed me uh, to find out a little bit more about me and my story. And then they created a video out of that. And now I'm going back um, next week to their fall gala to introduce Prince of Peace at a, major event when i say major you can sponsor at one of the tables for fifty thousand dollars <laughs> and i'm gonna pee up there trying to remember what i'm there to say <laughs> <laughs> isn't that crazy how god works you're literally going to be introducing yeah like yeah exactly it is amazing how god works and you can kind of see his personality by my prayer in 2013 when when he uh in the middle of me repeating this plead pleading prayer he just kind of entered it and it was like enough all right here and, and he brought the answer with him and the answer was the seven holy spirits of god and it's kind of like it was like reminding me this is what george told you 50 years or uh, 44 years ago or whatever it was in 2013 from 1969 well i can in the interest of uh, putting a bow on this, I can tell you that there is nothing more important than serving God. I mean, I don't, I, I, especially when he personally asked me to do something, I don't want to return to heaven <laughs> and have him say, why didn't you tell people about the seven Holy Spirits of God? Um, why didn't you testify for Prince of Peace? And there are so many other things that are real, that really happened, and that are extrapolation. I have a series that I'm working on called the Extrapolation Series. For example, it took us, I don't know how long to get to heaven when I was with George, but I could see stars and and planets passing by like you like you're on a highway going 60 70 miles an hour watching telephone poles passing by so how fast were we going and i don't remember not seeing stars and, and planets along the way so does that mean heaven is within our solar system um because i had not left our solar system into darkness and gone to another solar system with lights. So heaven is a real place and we, it's just in a different dimension because we're no longer confined to human body. But if we were going a certain speed to get there, then how fast must I have been going to get back? Because I was back when my human body was jump-started the heart of my human body was jump-started on earth, I was back in an instant, whereas going compared to coming back, going was like a leisurely drive. But that leisurely drive had to be, I don't know, 44,000 miles an hour. How fast do NASA, NASA telescopes fly through space? Um, but that's the extrapolation theory. Based on what I know, then what, if the patterns continue, what would that mean for unknown things but then there's also the real th story like my dad uh maybe he's a victim i mean he he has signs of 
of being a psychopath, a sociopath, definitely a narcissist. And since he has combination, there's actually a personality disorder called dark triad, which includes Machiavellianism, which means they apply it to work. So on, on one hand, he had outbursts like a sociopath, and on the other hand, he had cold, calculating, planned death without apology and without empathy of a psychopath. You know, it's just like how—and then he's fragile X and this autism uh, that he carried, and then the fact that he was— um, in a coma for 11 days as a as a teenager from being hit by a brick or a rock in the head in a fight or something i mean he he truly had issues but maybe he's a victim too i mean his issues caused issues for me <laughs> even though those memories were repressed they still had a major effect on my life in the for undiagnosed problems but uh, that kind of gets back to answer one of your questions, Mike, that, you know, what did it feel like to make, to, to figure it out? Well, it was an amazing feeling mentally health wise to understand all of these undiagnosed problems. And what could I have been like, had I not experienced any of that? If, if my father was as, wonderful and nurturing as my mom and her father, George. Uh, but that just wasn't the case. Uh, and then there's some other things. I do have a big announcement. Um, I've seen Jesus. I've, I've disclosed that I've seen Jesus twice, once in my momentary death, once where he entered the prayer with the seven holy spirits of god only he wasn't in human form living he wasn't in living color form the seven spirits were in color but he was a black silhouette in front of a light blue background a black silhouette but recognizable but um so i saw jesus twice but i've seen jesus another time and i'm not prepared yet to go into those details but that's coming i'm not going to return to heaven without telling this one and it's real. Well, it sounds like we've got a lot to unpack. Yes, we do. This is so incredible to share this with people. And you know, and the, another another thing I'd like to get into is how the, this affects people, both people I know who knew me between fourth grade and twenty thirteen, never knew anything about my death and and all this, and what they think now that I'm you know, uh, coming forward with all these details compared to people around the world, actually, because of publishing who, who applaud the engagement with Jesus, the experience, the beauty, the loyalty of Jesus. And it's, that's a whole topic too. And a major topic is how it affects people, both who knew me before I made this announcement and did not know me before I made this announcement, because it's two completely different receptions. I bet. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, make sure you subscribe um, for more to get notified as soon as new episodes drop. Um, you will not want to miss this. 
Amen. Cool. Yeah. I think that's it. I think that's the. Uh, yeah. I think that is, Mike. I think that is. And this experience in itself is liberating. I mean, it's thrilling, it's fulfilling. You know, being able to hear speakers through the microphone, hear you do this, create the podcast, this opens up a whole new chapter in life which gives me hope and it's real and i just feel like it's from god and it's with you my son and i feel like we're one yeah it's pretty cool <laughs> i am tickled i i am i'm so happy yeah god god works in amazing ways